Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Let's Talk About Jesus right here on our webcast, our website. We're so glad you're with us today. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for uh, coming around the Word of God with us today. Wherever you're hearing this broadcast, anywhere in America, anywhere around the world, in every possible continent in the world, this this broadcast is available because of the World Wide Web. Oh, I'm so thankful that we can we can have a, a a centrally located place where we can get the gospel to the nations of the world through the media. And we're grateful for our webmaster. We're grateful for those who work with us and they do it, uh, they do it for free. <laughs> their, their salary, they don't have to pay tax on their salary. <laughs> Amen. They do it because they love Jesus and they want to get the gospel to the nations of the world. And we're grateful for all the help that we have. We're grateful for our small congregation that's doing a big job for Jesus because of the internet. Thank you for your contributions that helps us to to do everything we need to do to get the gospel out before Jesus comes. We bless you today. Amen. Can't wait till we're all together again. Don't know when all of this will break uh, uh, to where we can be together. Uh, A lot of churches are already meeting. We're looking for that situation where we can meet safely where everyone can feel secure and above all feel secure not because of mask and social distancing and 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 all of those things that we need to do in wisdom but that we can feel safe because of God's covering amen and that's why this message to me is so appropriate for this time that we're living in we're in the last of the last days and there are perilous times and we are certainly seeing that manifest globally, not just because of the pandemic, but the general unrest around the world. So today we're talking about, and the second uh, in this series, resting on God's faithfulness. Resting on God's faithfulness. Praise God. Well, last week we talked about His person beginning to find that place where we can rest upon His faithfulness because of God's faithfulness to his own character and his own person. And today we're going to talk about a man resting on his word and his promises to his people. Praise God. Uh, We stopped last week with a a man who is called the father of American missions. He's a British missionary, Hudson Taylor. He really, really set the standard for modern day missions around the world (laughs) because he was a fantastic missionary and he had his own struggles with faith and I want to quote his own quote from his biography listen to a quote from Hudson Taylor he said I strove for faith but it would not come I tried to exercise faith but in vain seeing more and more the wondrous supply of grace laid up in Jesus the fullness of of our precious Savior. My guilt and my helplessness seemed to increase. Sins committed appeared but as trifles compared with the sin of unbelief, which was their cause. 
which could not or would not take God at his word. He saw that as a greater sin than some of the other sins that we can commit if we don't get our flesh under control, you see. He said, he said, it's this sin that was so troubling to him that I could not or would not just take God at his word. We're getting a glimpse at what it means to rest upon God's faithfulness. It really is taking God at His word. Unbelief, I felt, he said, was the damning sin of the world, and yet I find myself indulging in it. I prayed for faith, but it came not. What was I to do? When my agony of soul was at its height, a sentence in a letter from a dear friend, was used. This friend was called McCarthy. Don't know much about that. I just know this friend wrote him a letter, and there was a sentence in it that he said was used to remove the scales from my eyes, and the Spirit of God revealed to me the truth of our oneness with Jesus as I had never known it before. McCarthy, he said, who had been much exercised by the same sense of failure, but saw the light before I did, wrote, and I quote from memory, and this is the quote, But how to get faith strengthened? Not by striving after faith, but by resting on the faithful one. As I read, I saw it all. I looked to Jesus and saw, and when I saw, oh, how joy flowed that he had said, I will never leave thee. Isn't it amazing when you get a rhema word from the word of God, all the Bible, all of the inspired word of God on the page is logos. I'm not, not still quoting here. I'll finish. Amen. But when it gets off the page and into your head and into your heart, more importantly, it becomes rhema. It becomes revelation. It becomes something personal. It, it jumps out of the page. Amen. And when he saw this one statement that, that became a rhema word to him, I will never leave thee. And then he said, Ah, there is rest, I thought. I have striven in vain to rest in him. I strive no more. For has he not promised to abide with me, never to leave me, never to fail me? Hallelujah. Praise God. Isn't it amazing what God can do when you read a simple statement and get this big revelation that gives you a, a sense of, of confidence and consolation that you can rest upon his faithfulness, praise God, to his person and to his promises, therefore. So today we're going to talk about God is faithful to his word, to his promises to his people. In Numbers 23 and verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. God is faithful to his word. The psalmist declares God's faithfulness in Psalm 89, 1 and 2, 
and 33 and 34. Listen, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Verse 2, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Hallelujah. And then in verse 33 and 34, God confirms His faithfulness. Listen, we confess His faithfulness, we confess His truth, and then God confirms His truth. Listen to it. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will will I not utterly take from Him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that is gone out of my lips. The psalmist declares his faithfulness, and God confirms his faithfulness. Glory to God. That's where confession comes in. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast the profession, which means confession in the Greek, the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. Glory be to God. You see, friend, faith in God's faithfulness will invite the supernatural. Hebrews 11, 11 and 12. Listen to it carefully. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. Uh, he couldn't conceive of, of this many people coming forth from a hundred-year-old man and a barren and beyond the age of childbearing woman. And he used really an exaggeration, the st- greater than the stars and greater than the sand, this great multitude, in other words, hallelujah, that came forth out of one who, who was dead and one who was barren concerning having children. You see, by faith, Sarah even herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Glory to God. Sarah was 89 years old, and she was barren. When God came to Abraham and to her, Abraham was 99 years old at the time. God came to them with a word of promise that they would have a baby. Sarah initially laughed. But as the text says, she received ability to conceive. And that was because of her faith. How did the faith come? How did the faith come when she heard of something that sounded so absurd and so humanly impossible? How did she have faith to conceive and receive this promise? Since she considered God faithful who had promised. Hallelujah. Sarah's faith embraced that promise. And the promise carried weight and force with her. Because she understood who it was that was promising. That's why we've titled this teaching, Resting on the Faithfulness of God. She considered 
she took note of, she brought to mind that God is faithful. And even though the promise seemed ridiculous and absurd, she knew that the promise was certain because of the one who promised cannot lie. Sarah gave birth to Isaac, and you know the rest of the story. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. This is resting on God's faithfulness. Hallelujah. God is faithful today, dear friend, and you may struggle sometimes with faith. But I want you to know that God will help you with that. God's Word is designed to help you with that. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And before we jump past the person to the promise, we need to get a hold of the person of God so that we can have confidence in the promise of God. It doesn't start with promises to bring to bring faith forward. It really starts with understanding how faithful God is to His people, to His covenant, and to His very Word. God's not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He not said it, and will He not do it. Glory be to God. God will not abandon you, dear friend, when trials and tests comes. He is faithful to you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you all the way, even unto the end of the age. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. There is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to bear it. When you go through trials, when you go through testings, focus on God's faithfulness and rest upon God's faithfulness. Hallelujah. God is with you in that, in that temptation. God is with you in that fiery furnace. God is with you in the trials of life. And He will never leave you. And He will never forsake you. And you can rest assured that God will not allow you to be tempted above that that you are able to bear. You may not feel like you're able, but he's not talking about your personal ability and resolve to stand true and stand strong and never waver. He's trusting you to trust in him for that. Hallelujah. To focus on your on His faithfulness, not your own faithfulness to Him. But the thing is, when when you focus on His faithfulness to you, you'll receive what you need to be faithful to Him. But it's looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Glory be to God. God will not abandon you when trials and tests come. He is faithful. Glory be to God. And you can rest on His faithfulness. And God will not abandon you if you run to the mercy seat when sometimes you find yourself in a situation where sin triumphs and the flesh fails. Amen. Listen to what it said. 
in 1 John 1, 8 and 9. This is not permission to sin. This is not covering up sin. This doesn't mean you can't get victory over sin. It means you can't escape sin. It doesn't mean that you are in the in in sin's dread sway, as the song says. It does mean that we're to let not sin reign in our mortal body. Not it shouldn't have the upper hand. But there are situations, there are circumstances where we and I don't mean we do some terrible, awful thing, but we find ourselves in a sin of commission or a sin of omission and we come to God quickly because we are his children and our conscience is pricked immediately and listen to what first John 1 says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sins you see he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He is faithful and he's justified in forgiving us because he's not sweeping it under the rug. He's not looking over it. We are asking for forgiveness and he is granting forgiveness because of the shed blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God because the sin debt was paid for us so that we could be forgiven if we truly repent and confess our sin before the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm so glad for that kind of love. I'm so glad for that kind of mercy. I'm so glad for that kind of grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. A holy God, dear friend who has every right to abandon us, to judge us, to punish us, is faithful and just to forgive us because he is faithful to his character of love and grants mercy and grace to help in the time of any need. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 through 20. Listen, who is like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? that passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. (laughs) Oh, not just our enemies, but our own innate propensity to sin. (laughs) He will subdue our iniquities. And thou shalt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Amen. Thou will perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn to our fathers in the days of old. I'm going to tell you because God set his love upon you. Amen. That's why he sent his son in the new covenant to die for us on the cross. He's already set his love. Amen. And he commendeth his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Praise God. This is, this is, 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 is the wonderful wonder of the cross. And this is the God who loved his covenant people. Even when they failed him, he was faithful to them when they returned to him. He said, return to me. (laughs) Amen. And I will return 
to you. He's already committed to forgive, to forget, to cast our sins where? In the depths of the sea. Amen. One man who read that said this. He said, you know, after I read that, he, he said, I could see God taking sins uh, and throwing them when people are confessing them and being forgiven of them, repenting of them, being forgiven of them. And he's taking sins like stones. Some of them are like pebbles. They're small sins, but they've been forgiven. And he's throwing them into the deepest part of the sea. And that pebble's making a little plop as it sinks all the way to the bottom. And sometimes they're larger, big rocks. And he takes them and he throws them into the depths of the sea. And they make a a bigger splash as they splash into the sea and sink all the way to the bottom. And sometimes he takes great boulders and he casts them into the sea. And they it sounds like a, a, a thunder when it hits. It's so large and displacing so much water. But it sinks too to the bottom of the sea. Sins that are as pebbles and large stones and boulders all find themselves in the deepest part of the sea sitting on the bottom. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I want you to know today that if there is true repentance and confession of sin, God is faithful to forgive. Hallelujah. He will not abandon you. If you run to the mercy seat when sins triumph in your life, God will forgive those sins. That's why this message to the covenant people, this kind of praying in this kind of situation that we're in is so important. If my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Praise God. We need to be in that kind of position of intercessory prayer. And that's why this repentance of of sin, of commission or omission, is part and parcel of praying effectively. Amen. You, you see, we need forgiveness that we might ask for mercy and grace for the world about us. That we might see a revival in our generation. There's never been a revival while we continue in the same patterns of life. Something has to change to allow God to move to us and through us. And the change will come when we're very open and honest with God. If we say we have zero sin, we have become sinlessly perfect. We're lying. We're being, no, no, we're not, oh no, we're not just being disingenuous. We're being dishonest. We are lying. We're lying to ourselves. And God knows better. But if we'll be honest, if we'll be transparent, if we'll be like David, who said, Search me, O Lord, and see if there be any unclean way in me. I don't trust myself to do it. He trusted himself and fell into sin and the blindness that sin brought. But when he confessed his sin, God forgave his sin 
and restored David's relationship with himself and then restored David's relationship as king. Hallelujah. And blessed him going forward. And oh, friend of mine, David's sin was a big boulder, but it is rested at the bottom of the sea. Because he confessed his sin. Hallelujah. Repented of it. And God forgave and pardoned it. And it was a glaring sin. And I don't want to take the time to go in all the detail. But I tell you. It was one of those big bolder sins. But it was forgiven. Because of the mercy and the grace of God. And because God did not abandon him. But God absolutely forgave him. You know, there's a scripture that says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes, there must be repentance, not just saying I'm sorry and continuing in it. He that confesses and forsakes shall find mercy, shall be forgiven. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, when I, I want the Lord to search me. I want to be convicted of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be comfortable if something is going to lead me into, into sin and bondage. I, I want to be convicted. I, someone paid a compliment to our little church when they, they said I would come to Brother Venables, but every time I do, I'm convicted. Oh, friend of mine, what a, thank God that someone wasn't comfortable and that doesn't mean that I'm pointing out people, pontificating, standing in a place and speaking condescendingly to others and trying to point out sin to condemn. No, it means that the Holy Spirit is active and the Word of God is preached without apology. And when the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, it is not to condemn us, but to bring us to Christ so the devil can't condemn us and God won't condemn us. I don't know if you heard that. Glory be to God, but it makes me want to shout glory even more to God for what he's done in our behalf. Friend of mine, you can rest on God's faithfulness because he is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Hath he not said it and will he not do it. Praise God. We serve a holy God that loves you and I today. The psalmist declares God's faithfulness in Psalm 89, 1 and 2. Amen. Let me read that again. I read it earlier, but I just want to read it again because it's so important. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. My mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Praise God. Friend, that is a, that is a God that you can serve with confidence, that you can love for loving you like that. An elderly preacher lay in a hospital close to passing over. He asked a friend at his bedside to read some of God's promises to him. And he apologized to that friend. And he said this, I can't seem to remember clearly anymore. His friend said, that's okay. He 
remembers. <laughs> Amen. Isn't it good? You're not reminding him. I've heard it said, and I know with good intentions, but not necessarily biblically accurate, you know, remind God of his promises. No, you need to be reminded <laughs> of God's promises. And when you are, be especially reminded of his faithfulness. Amen. God doesn't need you to tell him to be faithful to his word and say, oh, yeah, that's right. I committed myself, didn't I? No, he never forgets. Praise God. But remind yourself through his promises of his promise and his purpose revealed through that promise. Hallelujah. And remind yourself of how faithful God is. Hallelujah. When our feelings of inadequacy tend to speak louder than the promise of His grace, we need to remember His faithfulness. Our destiny is not based on our feelings, but His grace and His sovereign purpose for our life. Hallelujah. When we face dangers and feel the fear well up inside us, we need to remember God's faithfulness and the promise that He would be our shield and our very great reward. When we aren't sure about heaven itself, when we are so wrapped up in all of the pressures of life and the responsibilities of life and, and we're so emotionally distraught and we wonder, is this really, really real? We need to remember the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. And God's declaration that Abraham and we are declared righteous because we trust in him. Hallelujah. When we have failed, we need to remember God's faithfulness. Our hope is not anchored to our performance, but to his promise. That's let, not letting us off the hook to obey. I don't want to be chastened of the Lord. I don't want to displease Him. I don't want to fail Him. I certainly don't want to give place to the devil. But I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad that God loves me in spite of me. How about you? Then we started with Hudson Taylor saying he wrestled with doubt and unbelief. Not not unbelief in the sense of saying, I will not believe God, but unbelief in the sense of, I'm struggling to believe God. There's a difference in those two kinds. Hudson Taylor, great missionary who inspired missions around the world by his own personal effort and testimony and example. Oh, what a man of faith. And yet, he struggled in order for that faith to develop into a resting faith, not a wrestling faith. Isn't that good to know today? Amen. That our faith can grow to the point that we are resting on His faithfulness, not wrestling to trust in His faithfulness. We declare it. We understand that it is real as He is. And we rest ourselves 
on the faithfulness of God today. And we fight the good fight of faith by resting on Him, not wrestling with the devil in the sense of constantly trying to defeat the accuser by being so perfect he has nothing to accuse us of. You'll never reach that point, but you can reach the point where you know that the accuser of our brethren is cast down that accused us before God day and night, and we overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. And, and the word of our testimony, and we are, and our devotion to him for his absolute covenant love toward us. We love not our life, even unto the death. You see, friend, Jesus came to establish a new covenant, a new covenant. And it's a covenant that is based on the love and grace that flows from the cross toward you and toward me. And this covenant declares how faithful God is. Amen. How faithful He is to forgive our sins. Today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, You think your sin may be one of those bolder sins that is so big, God either cannot or would not forgive you. I want you to know that God will forgive you because He is faithful to His covenant. And when He sees the blood, when He sees the blood, and He always sees the blood that Jesus shed so that you and I could be forgiven, delivered, set free, pardoned, and reconciled to Him. And He says, when I see the blood, I will pardon you. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus, the song says, that washes me white as snow. Don't run from God today. God is faithful. And He is promised and purposed if someone, anyone, anywhere will repent of their sin, confess it, and receive Christ as your Savior, God will forgive you. God will pardon you. And He will commit Himself to you through Christ who said, I will never from that point forward, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never, no, never. Hallelujah. Amen. And Christian today, we're in a time of great shaking, many uncertainties about the future. But God is faithful and you can rest upon Him. Not wring your hands, but raise them. Praise and honor Him. And declare with your mouth what he has declared with his mouth. I am faithful. He is faithful. Amen.